Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents. Making money moves with the finest of gents. Come and pull up a seat, cause we're proud to present. How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence. Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best. Welcome everybody to episode four of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents. Welcome back. I am one of those gents. I am Robert Wolfson. And I am Stephen Ellis. It's a nice, beautiful summer day here in Calgary. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's getting out, spending some time with their family, uh, relaxing, enjoying the warm weather while we finally have some. Yeah, we uh, we certainly hope everyone's staying healthy, safe, but also getting a chance, like Rob says, to enjoy some of this uh, wonderful weather we're having. And of course, a quick public service announcement. Remember to wear sunscreen. You took the words right out of my mouth, Rob. So today we're going to switch it up a little bit and we're going to talk about lifestyle planning and we're going to start with discussing what that actually is. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, Rob, that could take on a number of different terms. We we like the term lifestyle planning. So let's start with what it actually is. So if we use a fairly literal definition, then it is essentially planning for the way a person or a group of people live. Simple enough, right? If we use a broader definition, it might be planning based on interests, opinions, and behaviors of individuals or a group. Still fairly broad. So what if we combine those two? Then it becomes planning for the way a person or group of people want to live while considering their interests, opinions, and behaviors. That definition is more all-encompassing and more accurate in terms of defining the process. So, Steve, is that then different than financial planning? In short, yes. So, to illustrate the difference, let's look at the term financial planning the same way we looked at the term lifestyle planning. So, from a more literal perspective. So, using the dictionary definition, which is the devising of a program for the allocation and management of finances and capital through budgeting, investment, etc. Or another definition that I found on the web a comprehensive evaluation of an individual's current and future financial state by using current known variables to predict future income, asset values, and withdrawal plans. Nowhere in either of those definitions does it discuss the qualitative aspects of your life, the what, where, and when, only the how. So in other words, the lifestyle plan illustrates what you want to do, when and where you want to do it, and the financial plan tells you basically how you can afford it. So based on that, you can't really have one without the other, but I'm sure you'll agree they're different. So Steve, if we should have both, the question should be, which one do I do first? You know, Rob, I don't think it really matters. I think both ways have benefits and can also have negative impacts on the process. Negative impacts, what do you mean by that? Well, Rob, One detriment to doing a financial plan ahead of doing the lifestyle plan is that it can cause you to be too conservative in lifestyle planning. In other words, trying to make it fit the financials. Doing it the other way around would allow you to be freer in the planning part and then base projections in the financial plan on those lifestyle plans to see if it fits financially. If not, then you can go back and amend the lifestyle plan accordingly. On the other hand, if you lack perspective on your financial situation and do a lifestyle plan first, you may find you have planned for situations that you cannot afford and may have to substantially amend your plan based on your financial reality. That said, I would say based on my experience, 
Most people have a generally good sense of the financial situation and either way of going through the process should work. So, if I want to start the process of lifestyle planning, where do I start? Or should I say, where do we start? Of course, if you have a partner, this is an exercise that we would recommend doing together. True. Yeah, and if you want to get a start on this exercise of lifestyle planning, you have to start with one question. Now, contrary to what you might think, it's actually not how do we want to live? What do we want? What's on our bucket list? I think oftentimes those are where people start with the process is looking at it that way. It's actually how do we live today or something the like. In other words, your starting point is looking at your life today. Things like where do we live and work? What do we do for recreation? What are our current challenges and concerns? Start there. Your current situation is your best reference and provides a basis for future decisions. By looking at your current situation and how it fits or doesn't fit into your future and why, helps guide the decision-making process. A common example of that is when people discuss downsizing their home. They often say to us that it's not worth it because Condos are expensive now, and the difference between what they would get for their current home and what they would have to spend on a condo is minimal. The question I would ask is, why are you downsizing? So Steve, that topic does come up quite frequently when we do lifestyle planning. What are some of the reasons people want to downsize? Well, the obvious one is to reduce the size of the home. That may also include reducing the number of floors and making it safer, so less stairs, for example. Another would be the ability to lock in and leave it, so to speak, for travel purposes. The reality can actually often be that the decision to downsize may be strictly financial. So to recapitalize their portfolio for income purposes in retirement, for example. And that's okay too. And that can be accounted for in the financial plan and would be labeled as such in the lifestyle plan. That's a good example of how the two plans can go hand in hand. Now sticking with the downsizing example, here's where starting by looking at your current situation as a starting point in the process is effective. If you know what you like about your current living situation, it can help shape the downsizing plan or objective. For example, someone might say, what I love about my current home is the yard. I spend so much time out there gardening and really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So their downsizing plan will likely include a place with a yard. If they also like to travel and want a lock and leave situation, they will likely look for some way of accommodating both or unfortunately have to compromise on one. But by planning ahead of time, they can weigh their options and make a more informed decision. When you look at that example, you can see the qualitative aspect of the objective or the human element as we like to call it. The financial element associated with it can be taken into account once the determination is made what the property actually looks like. So essentially, you've painted a picture of what the house looks like. Now the next exercise is to find that house. So Steve, what would you recommend for people that want to start that process? Starting the process right away as a part of the planning process, rather than waiting until a month or two before you actually are looking at downsizing. This will help you quantify the goal and quite frankly, it can be fun. Go online or even go out and see places. Find the house or apartment, condo, townhouse, whatever best matches your objectives that you've laid out in, in your lifestyle plan. When you find that place, you can attach a price to it in today's dollars because you'll actually 
have physically seen the home and, and the price that it's selling for today. And you can also take into account what your home is worth at this point in time. And you'll know if there's any excess capital or perhaps a downsize results in capital expenditure. That will essentially complete the circle for you. So Steve, that's great advice for those who are considering uh, downsizing in their current market. But what about those who are considering relocating? That's a great question, Rob, and can apply both on a temporary basis. So for example, snowboarding, so purchasing a property for the purposes of uh, escaping the cold Calgary winters, for example, uh, or on a permanent basis. Really, my best piece of advice is to try it out first. We hear a lot of stories about people that purchase properties in a place that they've never been before, believe it or not. Uh, so we recommend there's lots of options for renting uh, these days. It's become more abundant. So we, we do recommend at least trying it out, spending some time there and getting a sense of where you want to be on top of what we just discussed, which is the home itself and things that are involved there. So just add that dynamic to it. Location wise becomes a little bit more important than it may be if you're buying in your uh, local market. So Steve, that's great. Now downsizing a home is just one example of lifestyle planning, but let's revisit how we actually start the whole process. Yes, as I mentioned earlier, it starts with the, the question, how do we live today? And that's really the basis and, and how a plan is developed. But I think before we even get to that point, we have to make a commitment to starting the planning process. And that can be different for everybody as well. So what I often ask people, individuals, couples, is how do you make decisions? So Rob, you're married, you have a family. The question I would ask you is, how do you and your wife make decisions in your life? I'm putting you on the spot here. Hopefully you don't mind. But Rob, how do you and your wife make decisions? No, I don't mind, Stephen. It's a fantastic question because everyone's lifestyles and, and schedules is different. And I have two young kids. I know you have three uh, three young kids. Mine are a bit older than yours. But still, uh, you're busy. You're, you're on the go all the time. So we find it hard to find time to think about us and our future. So sometimes we just grab a glass of wine and we just sit down and we talk about our future and making sure that we have the same vision for where we want to go. Thanks for sharing that, Robin. And, and the next question that I would have for you would be, do you write it down? Now, I don't need you to answer that. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But that really is an important factor. And I think the most difficult part of the process is writing it down. I'll use my example here is oftentimes my wife and I, when we're on a road trip, We'll be discussing things and they're important, you know, planning, planning for the kids, education, home, work, whatever it may be. But we get to our destination, everyone jumps out of the vehicle, we're off, we're busy, and it's gone. You know, it's never revisited again. So writing it down, recording it, we all have, you know, smartphones nowadays where we can record. Just record it so that it doesn't go away. That's really an important factor in the whole process as well as making sure it's it's recorded in some way. So great. So now we've written it down. What's next? Yeah, I think it's compiling it, right? So you've got all these independent recordings or you've jotted it down. That can just as easily go away as well. So I think, you know, committing yourself to having a document, you know, having that lifestyle plan where you've got those things recorded and compiled and it's an important document in your life, you know, as important as, say, your will or insurance policies. 
takes on that same importance. So all of that information is compiled. That's really an important step in the process. So is it set it and forget it, Steve, or is this a document that you can go back and make changes to and revisit? Yeah, I think one of the limitations uh, in terms of the process that people feel is they sort of feel like, well, once I've put it down on paper, it becomes very static. Life's not like that. It's very fluid. So really the important, uh, the most important part of the process is actually revisiting it and in some cases revising it. So having that document compiled, going back, revisiting it on a fairly regular basis, again, is, uh, is an extremely important part of the process. Now, Rob, as you know, where we are often effective in this process is, you know, bringing that back up again, you know, asking people on a regular basis to review their plan with them, to look at it. And sometimes that's the only time that the people are going to look at it is when we're bringing it up. So uh, again, not everyone needs it, but a little bit of accountability in terms of looking at it, making any revisions, and then going back and looking at whether or not that fits the, the current financial situation, right? Using that financial plan and putting the two pieces together. So we spoke about downsizing earlier, Steve, but just uh, for context, what are some of the other items just to help people along other topics that would comprise one of these lifestyle planning elements? So really, Rob, it's anything that requires time planning or money. So it can be different for everybody. But recognizing that that's pretty broad, let's actually look at some of the elements we often see go into a lifestyle plan. We talked about downsizing, but the home in general, right? Downsizing tends to be centered around retirement, but not everyone's at that stage. So they could still be at a stage where they've got a growing family and are looking at actually buying a bigger home or moving to a different community, moving to a different city. Or maybe it's a vacation property. Yeah, vacation properties, but also just vacation in general, right? Uh, vacation's a big part of people's lifestyle. So looking at how often you plan on traveling, what kind of travel you're doing. And then you can also attach a price figure to that, that again, can go into the financial plan. One of the questions we actually often ask people is what kind of travel is it? Are you staying in hostels or a five-star resort? Because the, the cost of that can be very different depending on what kind of travel you're doing. Is it local? Are you camping? Uh, there are flights involved. Uh, so again, what it comes down to is looking at it from a lifestyle perspective, but then you're also able to attach a financial, uh, a quantitative aspect to that, that plan. Other things, a big one is retirement. You know, we'll likely do a future episode strictly on retirement, maybe several. It's obviously a big part of people's life, uh, requires a lot of planning. And again, not just from a financial standpoint, but from a lifestyle standpoint. And that's a big one and is often a huge part of people's lifestyle plan. Another element could be major purchases. So again, to come back, a property. Uh, could also be vehicles. You know, people often talk about uh, turning over vehicles. Uh, vehicle prices can vary. So again, we want to narrow it down to what type of vehicle that is. Is it a Lamborghini or is it a, a Chevette? <laughs> a Chevette, that's right. Another one could be education for children or grandchildren. So again, I, I keep saying it, you know, we keep coming back to this parallel between the financial plan and the lifestyle plan. Uh, you know, if if education is important, then we start looking at 
RASPs, for example, and account for that in, in the financial plan. But again, if we really start looking at it from a lifestyle perspective, you know, education is very broad. What does that actually mean? Is it trade school or is it Harvard? Obviously, the cost for each of those can be very different. Another one, and actually, I want to expand on this a little bit more if we can, Rob, is recreation. Now, years ago, I sat in a uh, retirement seminar, and one of the questions that we were asked through the process was, what are you going to do when you retire? Now, I'm a long ways away from retirement, but I can, I can envision it. And I like golfing. Golf is a big part of my life. So obviously, golf was on, on my list. And it turned out it was on quite a few people's list. And the question that was asked of all of those people that had golf on their list was, how much do you golf now? And in some cases, do you golf now? And the point that was being made was, if you don't already golf now, the chances of you golfing a great deal in retirement is actually pretty slim. So that really, again, reverts back to what I said earlier, how do you live now? So the planning process ends up being an extension of what you're already doing. Now, of course, you're going to pick up you know, new hobbies and things like that as time goes by. But I think it's worth looking at it uh, from that perspective. So, Rob, what do you like to do from a recreation standpoint? I also like to golf, Steve, although I try. But for sure, I can see myself golfing in retirement. But as you know, I'm a competitive five-pin bowler. Now, that's a whole different aspect compared to golf. Uh, I definitely want to keep bowling. But it doesn't matter what activity you do. There's also the health aspect that comes involved too. So you may, I may want to bowl, you may want to golf, but we need to make sure that our health, our health styles and our bodies uh, allow us to be able to do those activities. So you almost need to have a backup plan as well that you need to think of now in case you can't do those things that you're planning on doing today. Yeah, I think when we look at recreation, you know, uh, again, one of the, this is, this is maybe a good point to make at this point is that a lot of people look at the lifestyle plan from a financial aspect. So they'll look at golf and we might say, well, are you going to get a membership at a private club and what's the expense associated with that? Or are you going to golf the public courses and how often? And let's attach a number to it. But I think that's a good point, Rob, is that it, the lifestyle plan doesn't need to have a financial element. And I have talked about the parallel, but you can also have items on there that really don't have a financial element associated. It may have a health element. And that's important too. How are you gonna stay healthy? How are you going to have longevity in your life? Uh, and that can just be the activities that you look at doing on a daily basis. Uh, you know, running every day. Uh, in my case, mountain biking is a big, big part of my life. Now, you know, as we both know these days, there, there are more expenses associated with mountain biking with the increased cost of bikes which I still don't don't understand. They don't even have motors in them. But regardless, looking at it from that perspective and, and just the activity associated with it uh, so that we, we can really sort of shape our lives going forward and, and see what our day-to-day -day looks like. And when we talk about health, it's not just physical health, Steve. It's also mental health. You mentioned mountain biking. I enjoy learning how to play guitar. I've been I've been practicing and and trying to learn for the last five to seven years now. And for me, it's just keeping the mind active, keeping the body busy. So you need to have those mental breaks as well. Just even in retirement, you you need to stay mentally sharp and and take care of your mental health. 
Yeah, I often have people discuss reading as a part of their lifestyle plan because that's something they do and something they want to continue doing. So as we mentioned earlier, Steve, this episode is really just scratching the surface of the lifestyle planning process. Yeah, it's really just an introduction. In future episodes, we'll discuss further examples and how lifestyle planning can be especially helpful in planning for retirement. We encourage everybody not just to look at the traditional financial planning process, the quantitative side of it. We encourage people to focus on the qualitative side, the human element, you know, really getting into what your life looks like, what's important to you. As I mentioned, stay tuned for future episodes where we'll expand on this topic. Once again, thanks everybody for joining us today on this episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents. You can find us on our website, ellisfinancialgroup.ca. And remember to subscribe to this podcast. Please do. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn by Alexa. Tell your friends, family. We always appreciate more subscribers. And of course, any feedback that uh, you want to provide, we're open to it again, just as long as it's positive. Yeah, let us know. Uh, let us know what topics you want us to talk about. So once again, I am Stephen Ellis, and I'm Robert Wolfson, and we are a couple of gents, and we'll talk to you again soon.